0: So, if you don't know me, my name's Chloe Schrammel and I'm a senior here at Crested Butte Community School. I moved up to Crested Butte about three years ago and I've been an intern for the church for about 10 months, taking on youth events. So, a little bit about me, I'm a person that fixes my mind on the first thing I see or hear, even when the truth is a lot better for me, like a lot better. So, the funny story about this, when I was about two years old, I was born in Pennsylvania and my dad and I were driving around to do errands. And we were driving around and there was these huge oil refineries with like smoke and steam coming out everywhere. And I was curious and I was like, what is this? He responded by saying it was a mac and cheese factory. Yes. So, now, when I was about five years old, we moved out to Colorado and we were going by Denver and there's like industrial plants everywhere, like the Purina dog food factory, you know, that smell. Yeah with the oil refineries or mac and cheese factories. And I'm asking my dad, I'm like, well, what are they doing out here? And he's like, well, people in Colorado also like mac and cheese. And I'm like, that makes sense. (laughs) I went with it. So then when I was about 12 years old, my dad and I were driving past that same road out Denver for a soccer tournament. And keep in mind, I've driven out that road so many times for soccer tournaments, and I never questioned those mac and cheese factories. I remember like visualizing macaroni like going through the pipelines and everything. Yeah, I'm looking around. I'm like, there's no way this is a mac and cheese factory. I was 12. He got that joke going for 10 years. And so I fixed myself onto that information. And so today I'm here to talk to you about how I blinded myself from the truth of what my relationship was really like with God. So. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. So, my spirituality has developed rapidly since I've been in high school, but I was always going to church throughout elementary school at my old church in Boulder. I was going through middle school and high school, and then when I moved up here, I truly started to see my relationship go somewhere. So, the first year I moved here, I was scared, timid, didn't really know who my community was, but then met this kid named Jojo. <laughs> you know Jojo, you probably hear him before you see him. He's living the time of his life. And I was like, I got to know the secret. And it was OB Joyful Church. So I started coming and like rekindling my effort and going back to church. I started to come to church and got close with Katie and Morgan started to mentor me. Fun story here. When I first met Katie, Jojo thought it would be funny to prank her and say he didn't want her to baptize him anymore. So that was the first time I met Katie was when she got wrecked by a train. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, it's a joke. I'm like, I've never met you before, but I promise, Joe's just not meaning this. And seeing her spirit come from like zero back to a hundred, I just knew she was someone I needed to be with. So I finally found my family here at the church. And unfortunately, when all this was coming together, I got a horrible traumatic brain injury from off-roading up Spring Creek. And um, after that, I couldn't participate in anything. Like the couch was my only place. So I was out of school for about three months. It took me four months to be able to read for ten minutes. Um, Sunglasses were always on, even at school and at home, and almost for five months, like, I was rocking the shades. And I felt like light was just a death sentence to the rest of my day. My headaches would throb throughout my whole head and my eyes, and they were just very debilitating, because nobody can function like that when it's just in your mind. When I was in a car or in a plane moving objects, my equilibrium was so thrown off. I would get so nauseous. I remember the first time I tried to drive, I was going 25 miles an hour, but it felt like I was going 40. It was okay. I got home safe. And uh, it was just a rough year last year between my concussion and COVID. I was only in school for like three to four months. So my social interactions were limited, but hey, we're still graduating. And... uh, just felt like my world collapsed. My personality was completely different for the first four months. My parents noticed I was very easily agitated, which was fun for them to deal with. Thank you. And uh, I was just angry, upset, depressed, and anxiety fully consumed me. I could barely eat, lost 10 pounds in three weeks. Like, not the summer bod you want. And uh, I had questions fully consuming me, like, why did God let this happen to me? Why is this something I have to go through? I just became fixed on those first thoughts. So once I was back in school, I realized that my healing process would be a long journey emotionally and physically. Normally, I'm the type of person that perseveres no matter what, but for me to recognize that I hit a wall was honestly a personal win, but usually I'm the person that will do anything without question, even when I get myself in trouble. For anyone, I'll go out of my way, but if I couldn't care for myself, how was I going to care for the others around me? Uh, The doubt that I had over my circumstance hovered over me every day. Doctors were telling me this and that of how to heal myself, but nothing just seemed to be working and the headaches would just keep coming as doing daily activities. And so I worked 10 times harder for the things that I knew how to do much easier before all of this went down, but who knew what would actually help? So I started to help myself by changing my doubt into something positive. The Lord was someone I could always talk to, and I wasn't alone through my healing process, even though my social interactions were very limited. We are allowed to be mad at him, but yet we can also be dependent on him at the same time. When we are in pain, the world tells us to just ignore it or numb it. For example, how many of you have been told, just rub it off or just like suck it up? It's like everyone hears it. It's a generational thing. It's still very present to our day, and I was told that many times at school throughout Different students, I was told that they aren't real, that I was milking it, I was wearing sunglasses to be cool, whatever. And then I was told that concussions were like a hoax for doctors to make money off of you. I'm like, nah. So (laughs) the pain that was taking hold of my life wasn't recognized. And that validation really mattered to me because we are a society where we are about validation. And when I heard people making fun of me, I just decided to talk to God because his validation is the only one that's mattering, that matters. And even though I was torn up about why God was having me go through these hardships, he was still my solution to finding inner peace. <laughs> so back to my mac and cheese theology. Um, Laughter I went with the information I was told, but now I question it with the foundation in Christ, because that's honestly a lot better. So, (laughs) my dependence on God became prominent in my life. I truly realized how good God is. So, in Revelation 7, 15 through 17, it says, "Uh, Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So I lived by these verses, no matter how mad or upset I was. God would just sit there and listen. And if I'm being honest, I wasn't having the the nicest thoughts towards him or myself, but all I got was unconditional love. I would pray over my mental health and just ask God to get me out of this dark place. Even though I was so unhappy with my life, especially the one God was making me go through, all he would give was moments of joy to just push me through. He was just there and helped me through, and I think this truly speaks to how amazing he is, or how the youth would say it, how dope as buns he is. That's a new saying now, so... (laughs) I would read this verse multiple times a day and let the word just wash over me. This sparked my interest to go back to the church and I found a community that supported me. The loving people who ooh, sorry, who helped me with my faith also helped me in dealing with the ongoing challenge. Once I was able to go out with the ability to tolerate my headaches, I was constantly going to Rise and Girls Bible studies, like consistently. And after that school year, I fully immersed myself with the kids here at Rise and I felt normal again. I found my community. I was coming to the church frequently, got to know the staff here, and what started as an emotional mess has now turned into an internship, and I can surround myself with the community while also strengthening my faith. Uh, now I have headaches, but cannot function most of the time. I just recently went a month and a half without a migraine in the past year and a half with this new treatment, so there's a praise and uh, more importantly, I've seen through my personal relationship with the Lord, and I am now hoping to pass this on to more. Which leads me to why I'm at Rise. With my leadership at Rise, with the young kids, I'm building bonds and watching these kids grow, like right in front of me, physically and with their relationships. And I get to mentor this amazing middle school girl, Logan, and I have an amazing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I have an amazing group of high school girls at Bible study, and I get to learn and connect with them all over our personal relationships. Last and not least, I get to work with my amazing intern, Eric, and uh, I get to work with an amazing team here at OBJ. And although it was rough finding my community at first and my connection with God, I am now able to use my perspective for the good of helping others. So going forward this week, I want to challenge you. That's a trademark from Eric there, uh, that I want all of you to really think to yourself and pray what you are feeling. Pray all the positives, all the negatives don't hold back because he can take it and he's immortal so it's not going to hurt him. He's, he's there for this reason and I hope you all have a great rest of your Sunday and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you.
1: You hate to follow that for sure so uh, so i'm uh, eric eaton i'm her intern and professional cat wrangler so i've learned over the last couple of weeks um and i want to have trent will you come up uh, we got a couple more questions and basically yeah come on so basically i, I want you all to get a feel of what it's like for the youth in this valley so i'm going to ask them a couple of questions um, so that you can kind of get an idea of what the youth experience what they go through and what's going through their heads beyond What uh, Chloe just said, too. So, uh, Trent, first off, what is the best part of OB Joyful?
0: So, I'd say the best part about OB Joyful is just like the community that it's built around and just like the support system that it's able to provide and just how inclusive it is. Because it's great to just like be here and go to like Rise and be able to meet a lot of other people in like your same circumstance that are going through the same things and just help you through that.
1: And secondly, what is the greatest challenge the youth in CB face right now?
0: So I'd say, as like a high schooler, that the greatest challenge we face is like having a supportive community that we can like rely on, because it's just like hard with school, there are like some people that just like judge you just because just like who you are and that sort of thing. And OB Joyful is like a great thing to have with like Rise and just all their programs because they're able to help. Uh, just, like, support you and be just, like, a positive influence and, like, never judgmental and just always
1: just a positive thing in your life. Thank you, Trent. So... Emery, let me come up, please. Come <laughs> Emery and I had a great time bowling yesterday. Who all went bowling? Had a fun time? Yeah. I'm at that age when I realized, when did bowling start hurting? I don't know when that's... <laughs> Man, so... What's your name and what grade are you
0: in? I, my name is Emory and I'm in sixth grade.
1: So what's the best part of OB Joyful Church?
0: I think the best part about OB Joyful is making friends at like Bible Study and Rise and then seeing those friends at school and just knowing that they're your community.
1: What I learned about Emory yesterday bowling is that she's only good one frame out of two. It didn't matter which one that was. It was either strike or a spare, either one. It was pretty amazing to watch. But when she dials that in, watch out, so. And the next question, uh, why do you think the youth group or a youth group is important here in Crested Butte?
0: So, I think it's important because kids, like, including me, can come to church or Rise or Bible City or whatever and then develop a relationship with other people that believe in Christ and a relationship with Christ.
1: Thank you very much, Emory. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chloe, come back up. We, uh, we have bets on when she cries, but I don't know. I'm sure, like, <laughs> so he gave me 20 bucks for it. Hey, I had to give her 20 bucks last time. It wasn't very good. So, so I didn't do that this time. So, so what, uh, sorry, they already know who you are. So what's the best part of OB Joyful Church?
0: I would say the best part, can I hold it, is that it's a community that always builds each other up no matter what. I've noticed when there's, like, a void or something, someone is always there to fill it. And it's really cool to see that happen in the community.
1: And then what is one thing you want to tell the adults here today? Hmm.
0: Okay. (laughs) I would say that you should totally reach out to the youth because I think they're pretty cool. And also, it's kind of crazy how smart they are. And they're getting into theology, and they're asking me questions. I'm like, I have no clue how to answer this one. But I think just reaching out to them because... They have so many questions. I think it's always awesome to see, like, a mentor that's, like, older and who's been through the same things as you while also being a believer.
1: Yeah. Stay here. Hey, Presley, come up here. And Jess, if you want know. <laughs> Nope, I didn't tell you about this part. So, so obviously, in January, it was a little rough with, with Katie leaving. It was uh, left a big hole in our youth group. But these two seniors here really stepped up in big ways. So it is awesome to see. Because first off, uh, this is my daughter, Presley, if you don't know that. So the last thing you want is a senior in high school It's just, hey, I'm your dad. I'm going to lead some youth group. How about that? You know, Uh, probably not what she wanted, but she's stuck in there. She's done some great stuff, uh, helping out with the youth, leading Bible studies and just being there. And uh, obviously, I couldn't do about either of these. And, of course, Chloe, um, you know, when everything was going down, obviously, it was tough. It's emotional. Reached out to Chloe, said, hey, how you doing? We're here for you. And she said, Give me a week. Oh, don't do it. I, don't know, do it. I know. It's just when you're in church, it's that amazing thing. Ask my daughter, I don't cry a lot. <laughs> um, when you see a youth step up. When you see the bigger picture of like okay this hurt i don't like it but there's something bigger going on here that i need to be a part of and so it's hard, right? <laughs> it is and if i wasn't doing youth i wouldn't be this tired so <laughs> so so i want to say thanks to both of them because it, it's been amazing to watch their growth their maturity. Um, you know, when you see that type of maturity out of uh, seniors in high school, it's a cool thing to watch and see. So, so thank you. That's why I wore a Hawaiian shirt that's bright, so be, be distracting. So, a couple things I do want to uh, charge you guys with. So. Proverbs 22.6 tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. And that's what we're trying to do as a, as a youth, is to raise up these kids so that they will follow Christ in all that they do. Because statistically, two-thirds of these youth, when they leave here, when they graduate here, will not go to church between ages 18 and 30, and many of those will not return it is a problem, and there's a couple reasons why. First off is too many youth groups are youth focused. They're not a part of the big church in general, and that's what we're trying to do is let them see what's a part of the church in general so that they can stay a part of it, and then uh, secondly, I want you to understand that this, and kind of what Chloe said, this isn't um, one person's responsibility. As we're looking for a youth pastor, and we're, we're bringing some people in to, to see what they're like, it isn't Their responsibility is not my responsibility. It's not parent's sole responsibility. It is all our responsibility. We have a unique situation here in the Valley to be able to invest in a school and even a college and invest in these young kids' lives. And it takes all of us. This is my invitation for all of you, whether you have kids in the youth group, whether they're grown, whether they're young, invest in these kids. They are awesome. And even the young adults, they are awesome. Because Morgan and Sierra, stand up. Because these two young adults are helping out with the youth. <laughs> <laughs> More, <yeah. clears throat> Morgan, Morgan's been incredible. Again, we couldn't be doing this without her. She has stepped up again and done some amazing things. Sierra joined us just a few like about a month ago, right? And I um, just came in, jumped in with both feet, has made an incredible difference, so we can do worship now uh, at Rise, which is incredible. So thank you both. So so, so this is, um, so David Kinneman runs the Barna Group, and so having done tons of um, just surveys about why, kids are leaving the church, why the youth are leaving the church, he came to this conclusion, and I'll have it up here as a quote as well. He says, cultivating intergenerational relationships is one of the most important ways in which effective faith communities are developing flourishing faith in both young and old. In many churches, this means changing the metaphor from simply passing the baton to the next generation to more functional, biblical picture of a body. That is the entire community of faith across the entire lifespan working together to fulfill God's purposes. So what that means is they need you. But guess what? You need them. This is a church. This is a body. And so I invite you first and foremost, get to know these kids. Know their names. When they walk through this door, I want them to be annoyed by the time they sit down Because of the number of people who have asked them how they're doing and what's going on. Let's change the narrative of what we're seeing in churches, what we're seeing around the nation. Let's invest in them because they are our future. Not only the church, but in life in general. And they're worth our time. They're worth investing in. And again, it will take all of us. So as we wrap this up, and you get to leave early today. uh, Ben, you all come up. And I want all the youth to come up right here. If you're in youth, come and stand up right here. No, right here. In front, in front. We don't have room for everyone on the stage. It's like a Hawaiian explosion. Come on. So these are our youth. These are amazing young people. And uh, as I've gotten to know them over the past four or five months, I I, I am exhausted. I am. Your kids are wonderful, but they are so high energy. And the amount they can eat is really. Wow. I forgot. But they're also amazing kids. There's so much light in them, there's so many questions, like Chloe said. They have questions about faith, about God, about life, about different things in different aspects. And. We're all here to help them out. And I want them to know they have your support going forward and just to see that. And so I'm going to close this in a prayer and pray over them. And then we'll stand and sing a final song. So let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for um, these amazing young people before me, Lord. Um, Just that they are even here is a testament to what you're doing in their lives, Lord God. It is so hard to be... um, Uh, just a teenager in today's world, let alone a teenager that follows you. And so I pray your blessings upon them. I pray your spirit upon them, Lord. I pray that your truth would permeate every part of their lives, Lord God, and they'd have clarity in who they are in you and to be able to walk boldly into the school, into um, the colleges, into wherever they're going, Lord, and to know who they are in you. And, And as a body, as a church, I pray that we can invest in them in some new and mighty ways, Lord. Let them know that they're loved. Let them know that they're cared for. And let them know, no matter what's going on around them or in their lives, Lord, that they are truly loved, Lord. We just thank you for this time. And we thank you for the opportunity to be able to to show the world who these young people are. And we just pray these things in Jesus Christ.